welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're doing on this show, breaking down another exceptional week of ATP Challenger action with Crack Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. On today's show, they run through their favorite moments from Sergei Stokowski and Temeruz Gabishvili of 2021. They offer their thoughts on both Alex Mulcan and Sebastian Baez breaking into the top 100 this past week and so much more. You're also going to have the chance on this episode to hear host Damian Kust conversation with Jean-Julien Roger, with Alex Mulcan, with Joris Delure from earlier this week as well. It is a fantastic episode that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy, of course, before we get to it. Just a couple of quick reminders. A, if you missed the launching of our College Contender Series, we are going to preview just about every aspect of the 2022 College Tennis Dual Match season over the next few months. You can find all of that content on our website, CrackRackets.com. Thus far, we've talked about preseason. Season number 10, Ohio State. Preseason number 9, Texas A&M. For the women, we've talked about preseason number 10, Kentucky. Preseason number 9, Arizona. For the men, also had the chance to speak with all of the head coaches, but Ohio State's Melissa Schaub. If you want to hear any of those conversations, hop on over to our Cracked Interviews podcast. If you want to hear myself, John Parsons, Matt Stachowiak, Chris Halioris break down each of the squads, you can find those conversations here on the GSP, of course. We'll be recapping the ATP Tour Finals as well. Just trying to find the right guest to do it with, but just a quick sneak peek for all of your listeners. I'm hoping to get Chris Otto on this week, hoping to do a big statistical breakdown either this week or first week of December with Tennis Abstracts' Jeff Sackman. It is going to be a fantastic week of podcast for all of you as we do put the final bow on the 2021 uh, professional tennis season. And again, begin to turn the page towards 2022. So all of that content, catch up or previewing forward available on the website crackrackets.com. Of course, a shout out to all of you listeners to our Patreon family for the continued support without whom none of these episodes would be possible. But of course, with all that said, you came here to hear about the ATP Challenger Tour. So let's get to it. Another episode recapping ATP Challenger action with hosts Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. Westoff, hit those credits. Let's start today's show. Uh, hey, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Tour podcast. I am once again by, uh, joined by my friend Jakub, who uh, is here to talk with, about the four events that we've had with me. Where do we? Where are we going to start this week? Because I feel like it's a sort of a choice this time. Yeah, yeah, it, it certainly is a choice. But I choose to start in Helsinki for both selfish reasons and reasons that you were there. Uh, so I think that's fair enough. Helsinki, where Alex Molchan. Uh, won the title over Joao Souza, 6-3-6-2, his second challenger title. Both of them won this year, and he breaks into the top 100. So we, we, we had a couple of weeks in Slovakia with no men in the top 100, um, and that is over now with, with, with Mochan back in there. He should be at number 87. Um, it, it was quite a strong week for him. Uh, he beat Van Reitelman in a very difficult uh, opening round, then beat Mochizuki, Ota in three sets, uh, Shevchenko, and then beat Souza in the final. Uh, what did you think of Molchan this this week? Yeah, and uh, as Jakub said, I was in Helsinki until Friday. So uh, the, we have a couple of interviews for you this week. And one of them is with Alex Molchan. Uh, this was after his second round match. So let's just get it over with. Uh, uh, after his second round match, yes. Uh, so here you go. 
We have a medical timer for your side. I see it's kind of tight now. Was it also an issue here from this match? Or no? Uh, not that much. It was better than yesterday, so I recovered pretty pretty well. Okay, you're really close to that of 100 right now. Does that make you more nervous? Feel more pressure in, in these matches? Mm, I don't know. To be honest, always. Of course, I have it in my head that mm -hmm. I'm close to the top 100 now. I'm one win yep. uh, from top 100, so of course I can be nervous, but. Uh, I don't think it's it's in negative way. There is nothing okay. negative. I'm not like nervous at all. I'm not thinking before the match that I have to win or something. So I'm just playing my, my game. Okay. Uh, it's been a great season for you. So could you tell me maybe one thing that has improved about your game or maybe your mindset? Yeah, the 100% mindset mm -hmm. and uh, and also discipline okay. much more. So. Yeah, uh, I was started started to started to work on my head with my mental coach, and it helped me a lot. Okay, so maybe last thing, could you tell me something about your tattoos? Because they're, they're great. Yeah, I mean, I always find some story about mm -hmm. it. It's, it's nothing extremely personal, but uh, I have story to each of the the tattoos. So, I mean, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and as, as you heard, he talked a bit about improving his discipline, his mentality this year because of working with a mental coach. And I guess you could see that this week. As you said, he was extremely close to going out in the first round, uh, injured his thigh in the second set, which was also in the interview, as you, as you probably heard. Uh, and, uh, well, he recovered somehow. Uh, I think Van Rijthoven was even 30 love up in the in that 5-3 game, uh, double faulted at 30-30, and then just played an awful tiebreak. Like really, it wasn't it wasn't really Molchan playing some exquisite stuff later on in that match. But he he certainly improved later on, and, and that quarter against Ote was the big one, obviously. After winning that, he was actually not certain of top 100 yet. But as it turned out, only of of, of these three guys that had to that had to make the, uh, like Baez had to win the title and Rune and Lopez had to make the final in Po and neither of them did. So before, actually before stepping onto the court again, he already knew that he was going in the, to be in the top 100. But as you heard, I mean, he said that he put no negative pressure on him because of that. I mean, I, I found it hard to believe, but then again, it really looked like that. I mean, he, he, he isn't signed up for any more events. Yeah, he's, so, he's done for the year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really looked like he didn't care that much. Obviously, great <laughs> that he's done it, but like, you know, if, if I don't do it, it's okay. I'm gonna I'm just going to do it next year. And it's probably the right way to think, although it, it could have put his Australian Open major, major spot in jeopardy. So, yeah. but, but right now, obviously, he's done it. And, and it, 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 it was certainly, especially later in the week, uh, you know, and yet another confirmation that this guy can also do well indoors, which we kind of didn't expect, I guess. Like that, there was a point this year where we talked about him possibly only faring well on clay, and he's done a semi-final, a semi-final, and the title here. So, what else can you say? Exactly. I mean, for, for a guy who started the year outside of the top 300 and had to play qualifying for challengers earlier this year. Uh, it's, it's it's really wonderful to to see him progress like this. Um, obviously, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> if you remember, I predicted really Klein to have a better year. Me too. Be yes. Fun. Yeah, we had that question, <laughs> Klein or Molchan, and we we both said that Klein was probably going to be the more successful one. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm very pleasantly surprised, and anything that he does is just more of a surprise, and I'm I'm very happy that even even though it was sort of looking like he 
might not be able to take that next step to to challengers or even further. He's he's actually done it now. I mean, he he's going to be um, get, getting into grand slams, getting into um, uh, ATP level tournaments, and be a high seed at challengers. Which I, you know, I would I would be very shocked if he told me this beginning of the year. Yeah. For sure. Uh, the, the finalist was Joao Souza, I, I guess we also never really expected here. Uh, his first two matches honestly looked super scrappy. Uh, I, Niklas Stalvinen kind of killed himself and Foraitek was playing very well and just, you know, Souza barely pulled through. And then the, these two games in the quarters and in the semis that he played against Brody and Laksonen, I honestly haven't seen Joao Souza play this, well, play this well in, I don't know how long. It, it's hard to tell, but, but it might have been at least months. Uh, and and honestly, I was a little bit disappointed by the by the final. I don't know what was your your impression, but but I I expected more from him after after how good he was against Brody and and against Laxon. Yeah. But I, I, after those two wins, um, I sort of felt like he he might not be the favorite Souza, but, but but I certainly felt that he had a chance. Even last week, watching him in Bratislava. Uh, he lost first round to Chelly Bilic in a third set tiebreak, but that was a very, very close match. And, and he, he's had a real renaissance <clears throat> that was sort of unexpected over this indoor hard uh, season. I, I, didn't, I didn't see this coming. Also, fun fact, he's now once again the higher-ranked uh, Sosa brother over Pedro Sosa. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's ahead of him once again uh, with this finals run. But as you said, Brody and Laxon, those are very, very impressive wins on indoor hard. Like, I obviously wasn't expecting him to beat Laxon. Um, as a predicament for the title. Um, we should also mention Rusuvori. Uh, your pick pulled out uh, b- before the tournament started, which, uh, what, what, what was the feeling like uh, there when it happened? Uh, yeah, it was an abdominal injury, I think, but honestly, he was still practicing on Monday. Uh, first with Gerasimov, then with Laksonen. Uh, that was something I was pretty shocked by, honestly, that no one came to this practice. Rusovori Laksonen. Like I, I sort of expected, you know, people to just want to see Emil even in practice. But, uh, but I mean, the the press manager told me that they had almost uh, like for for Wednesday when Rusovori was supposed to play his first round match, they were almost sold sold out. So there is oh. some sort of a Rusovori fever. Uh, I have a little theory that maybe it's why they announced it so late because like. I didn't know if it was a secret or anything. Probably it wasn't, but uh, I, I found out when the when the press the, the press manager uh, came up to me and asked, "Have you heard the news?" And I, I had no idea what he was talking about. And it was just, you know just a couple of hours later I found out that it's still not in the draw, that it's still not you know that it's oh. still not announced. So that was kind of surprising to me because he never said that it was confidential or anything. Maybe it wasn't, uh, but but I mean. Uh, no, no, I was I was just surprised how long it took. But yeah, uh, yeah, that that was the reason: abdominal fracture or something like that. Uh, he he said he had it already in Stockholm, but w- really wanted to play here, defend his title, play in front of the home crowd. So he tried to push through it, but then in the second practice uh, with Laxon, and he he felt it more again. Then went to the doctor, and it turned out that you know it it's, it just ne- ma- never made any sense it gave a great chance for for one of my favorite players so alexander shevchenko who reached his second challenger semi and it was actually a second challenger semi uh, at a, at a tournament which i attended so i'm clearly shevchenko's lucky charm 
Yeah, you, uh, you, you, you clearly is good luck charm. He's gonna have to ask you for your schedule for next year. Or yeah, but I, I, I think I, yeah, I was also in Warsaw and he lost in the first round. So there's, you know, a bit of an exception. It's still, it's still a, 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 very, a very strong record for him. Um, yeah, he, he had an interesting run where he beat Lofman, uh, then he beat Kirian Jacquet twice in a row. <laughs> Um, both times dropping three games, which is quite insane to to have that sort of level and for Jackie to just get no improvement over those <laughs> in that second match, quite, quite rough. Uh, he beat Bakinger and then got a retirement from Mats Morain. But Bakinger uh, was a retirement as well, like at 5-1. At 5-1, so I, I mean, you sort of counted, but at the same yeah. time, like Bakinger actually fell in the last point of the first set tiebreak. And mm. he, he was moving sort of cautiously. I still think he should have just allowed Shevchenko to put four, ser four serves in. But, you know. And Morai was just, uh, again, the knee. And clearly super frustrated that it's an issue again. Uh, do you actually know... Uh, I'm assuming, like, normally I don't check these stats, but I was I was all the, all the time looking at Shevchenko's first serve percentage this week. We sort of talked about it in, like, in Warsaw, or when we were talking about Poznan in Warsaw, that he goes for this flat, deliver, flat delivery all the time, and it's basically resulting in often sub, even sub-50 percentages. And against yeah. Jacquet in these two matches, he had 35 and 28. And he still beat him losing three games. Six three six eleven and six two six one. He beat. Him. Yeah, and, and he was then, actually two zero uh, zero forty down uh, in the in the first set of the second match. That is that is insane. That that's a horrible. Somebody to tell him to fix it or just try something different because. But it was better later, you know. Uh, he, against Buckingham, yeah. he hit thirteen aces and and was at like sixty percent. And even in the loss to Molchan, uh, I think the his. His win percentage after the first serve was really high, despite losing. Yeah. And and it's it's clear that the, this guy actually has a weapon for a serve, but it's just yeah, that he needs to hit it more. Can't hit a barn door with a serve. That is horrible. Twenty eight percent. Those are like if, if stats were kept when I played um, <laughs> in high school or whatever. I feel like those would be those would be stats that, that I would be getting. I'm yeah, that that's my stats, here. but that that's also for the very <laughs> same reason I believe because I. Uh, I, I I go for the flat delivery all the time as well, like yeah. the, the very same serve which like barely clears the net. And in my case, it's because I cannot do anything else with it. Like I just don't have the technical skills. And Shevchenko clearly, well, at, at least could have it if if he wanted. But in you know, so, theory, he might have a he might have a different serve. Yeah, uh, there should be there should be more variety probably. But I mean, it's working. This guy is still getting pretty decent challenger results and, and yeah, still yeah, clearly yeah. improving even though this this run was, as you said was fairly weird but the in the match against Buckinger he won the first set when they were you know completely fair and square then against Moraing it, it also wasn't like Moraing couldn't move or something like that he wouldn't he wouldn't win this match but I mean he was still playing at a, at a very decent level uh who else do we have do we have do we have here we all, another qualifier was Yoris Delor. Uh, with whom we also have an interview. Uh, in terms of if you, if you guys need any additional context, then this guy uh, had a break of like two and a half years before finally coming back in the summer this year. And in that period, he had seven surgeries. So when we're talking about him coming from, from a hiatus, then that, that, that's what we... Uh, yeah, that's what we're gonna 
uh, have in mind. So here's the interview with Yoris Delor after he after he beats uh, Tobias Kamke in his first round match. So it's been it, it was a pretty tough set of opponents that you've beaten. Um, how do you feel about your game going into the main draw? Uh, happy. Uh, two good matches. Um, um, yeah, playing good and ready for main draw. You're coming back after a long series of injuries and surgeries. How, uh, how would you compare the level you have right now to what you played in 2018? Uh, tough to say. I think sometimes uh, like parts I'm playing better, I think. Uh, but still it's um, a little bit adapting to the level again and playing uh, matches on this level is different. Um, so, but I'm happy the way I play right now. I saw Kim Kopeyan supporting you from the crowd. Is it like very important for you to have a friendly face up there? I mean, it's it's nice. Uh, we travel most of the time alone, so when he's here, we try to support each other, and then uh, it's nice to have someone next to the next to the court. It's not always easy if we don't have anyone. Okay, and one last thing: one of the qualifiers will play the top seed and the defending champion, Emir Sivori. Do you, uh, you know, what's your? Do you want to avoid him, or are you like, you know, bring on the challenge? Uh, I'm, I'm, I can hang with anyone. I, mean, no, I don't care. Uh, just match by match. Every match okay. has to be played. Um, so, if I will play him, it's a good challenge. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and as you heard, he was very confident. Uh, back then, we still didn't know if if Rusuvori was like we we still thought that Rusuvori was gonna play, uh, and he really wasn't scared at all of of drawing him, which is also probably as in as in Molchan's case, in some parts not 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 exactly true. But I mean, uh, he he has the. He has the game to to hang with these guys, really. Like I uh, I don't know how how much do you remember of the lore before he took that long break? Not not, not that much to be honest. I I, I knew the name. Uh, maybe I saw some games here and then, but yeah, I, I don't remember yours the lore that much. Me neither. I mean, I I, I remember the name. Uh, I could remember that he like had a pretty powerful game, but not that much. And he he recently won a twenty five k in Toulouse, very stacked. Defeated Litu and uh, Luka Vanasha in the finals, and he, it's like not surprising at all when you watch him. That forehand is huge. He totally like he he played a very fine match against Brody as well. Uh, you know, a couple of points here or there in the second set, and it could have could have gone to a decider. So, uh, so so definitely someone we should be we should be looking at as a potential riser because he's still in like the six six hundred something. Uh, hmm. in the world so obviously he still has a PR which he uses to uh, to qualify for example to to get into the qualifying here um yeah do we do do we have anyone I mean Laxon and you mentioned because he was your pick and uh I mean Laxon and was honestly winning his matches so routinely that at when I was leaving Helsinki on Friday I was totally sure that you were gonna get a point here <laughs> I, I really thought so as well. I mean, like, like up, up until that semifinal loss, uh, let's just go through it here. He beat uh, Istomin 6-3-6-3, Julian Lent 6-2-7-5, and Milojevic 6-2-6-3 before losing to Souza. I, like, I really thought that he was going to make the final and it was going to be a great battle against Molchan probably. Um, but yeah, just 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 Souza brought another level and, and took him out there. Yeah, that, that that's what I had in mind as well, exactly. And obviously, I was sort of happy to see Axon and Luz since he, uh, since he was your pick. Uh, I uh, we talked about last time, like 
if there's any adversity or something like that towards Laksonen because of changing nationalities. It, it didn't seem so. Uh, he got center court every single match and got a lot of support. Uh, not as much as Virtanen got, for example, but I'm not sure yeah. if, you know, I, I wasn't at, at the semis. So it's possible yeah. that if he needed it, then the support would be bigger. And like, it wasn't just me who at some point stopped watching Laksonen's matches and just went to the other games because it didn't make any sense. Like against Lenz, there was that moment when Lenz actually served for the second set. But the, the quarters against Milojevic, honestly, after two games, you could just tell that this was going to be a match that was about to finish in like an hour with the with the scoreline that we got in the end. So, yeah, uh, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's oftentimes that, that you see the, the crowd really going for somebody who is from the country but isn't the main star, maybe. Um, like, like I remember in, in Bratislava, the best atmosphere I've ever seen for a Slovak player was for Miloslav Mecic Jr. Uh, in a match against Boris Pashansky as opposed to like a Lukas Latsko match or something. Um, so, so, so that might be the case there with Vietan. And uh, I, I also wanted to ask about Jean-Julien Roger, uh, who played here. He played with Helio Bara. Uh, I, I believe you tweeted that it was the first time he's played in a decade on the yep. on the challenge floor. I, I'm just wondering, like, why why here? Because he had never played with Helio Vara before. Like, what convinced him to come and play Helsinki? That's a fantastic question because that's literally the thing that I asked him. The first thing <laughs> that I asked him in the interview that you're gonna listen to now. So, uh, here you go. This is an interview with Jean-Julien Roger, uh, a two-time Grand Slam champion. Probably the first time I interviewed someone who who won a slam. I, I'm assuming. At least I, I cannot really recall. Pro- probably not. Probably not. So, so here's an interview with with Roger. First of all, why the decision to play here? Like you haven't played the challenger in like eleven years, mm-hmm. I think. And how did you team up with Harry? Um, I teamed up uh, with Harry. Actually, uh, Henry gave me his number to to reach out to to uh, Harry to play. Um, Harry's a fabulous uh, player. He's been doing really well and going up the rankings, and uh, he's been having a great streak of winning matches in uh, in both the ATP and the challenger tour. And uh, so it was quite an easy decision. I know. You know he's from here in his uh, his home club and everything, so that's very nice. Um, also, we get some privileges like uh, playing every match in center court at the same time, which is really nice. You don't get this uh, that often at tournaments. And uh, my decision to play here is uh, very simple. I uh, I um, had a good week last week in Stockholm. I, I didn't have such a successful year uh, this year. I lost a lot of matches and a lot of ranking. And um, I wanted to come here and try to win more matches and keep that feeling going. And like I, I've been telling everybody, to me, it's not so important uh, if it's Challenger or ATP or anything. I, what I focus on is my uh, enjoyment and my, you know, my time on the court. And I want to be having a good time and winning matches, hopefully, and uh, and get a good feeling. So. Yeah, your your long-term partner retired this week at the ATP finals. <coughs> yes. Do you still do you still keep in contact? Of Have course. you written him? A, of course, I a called message? him yesterday. Okay. We talked on the phone, they had a celebratory uh, dinner for him, and uh, we spoke a little bit before he went to the dinner. Um, yeah, it's very difficult also for me, because we, mm-hmm. we had uh, very good success together, he's like my brother. And uh, like I tell him, you know, when he retired now, also a part of me is retiring, because uh, we were very close and we did everything together and we did our biggest achievement. So it's actually a very sad day for me also, he knows, we talk a lot and we keep in touch. So, yeah.
So you're not saying goodbye yet? You're, no, no, you're, I, you're I, have a couple I of want years. to play. Uh, he actually told me uh, uh-huh. when he's done playing now, he has some more time, so he will come watch me play oh. in some future somewhere that I decide to play, you know? like. <laughs> So he will come, uh, he will come watch uh, some matches of mine. All right. Thank you. Man. Yeah, thanks. Good luck tomorrow. Yeah, and then to briefly, to briefly recap it for you, uh, he uh, got Heliovara's uh, number from uh, Continent, and basically because it was a poor season for him, and in Stockholm he did well, he he finished runner-up. Uh, he simply wanted to play on. Uh, and that was the best option for him because uh, because of no main tour events uh, this week. Uh, he said he lost a lot of ranking and and uh, you know and just uh, just lost a lot of matches this year, and that that he wanted to get like keep that winning feeling going. And honestly, like the pair was class. Like you, pretty much similarly to what what I said about Laxon. And at some point, it sort of stopped making sense. Like watch even watching these matches, but. But I still wanted to. I mean, it's not every day, as you said, 11 years. Uh, Szczecin 2010 was actually the last time we, we saw we saw Roger on the on the Challenger Tour. So it's definitely a one in a million opportunity for me, probably. I, I'm assuming I'm never going to see him unless he plays the Challenger Tour more often. And he seems to really love it. Like he... He was uh, very excited about playing this event and he said that it doesn't really make a difference for him, whether it's a challenger, a futures or an ATP, he just loves being out there. It's all about enjoyment on court, which is kind of contrasting as, as you heard, I also asked him about Horia Teko's retirement and Roger is four years older uh, and Teko already wanted to call it quits while Roger wants to keep playing on. And I, I guess he just loves doing it more. Like he's he's just not tired of it yet. Uh, and by the way, a fantastic guy to interview, like the experience shines through even in, in such scenarios. He just, you know, some of these players, you just need to sort of poke them and <laughs> keep asking, keep demanding an answer. And he just goes on, goes on. You pretty much don't have to say anything. And he gives you something extra, like something you never really asked for. So, uh, no, uh, probably uh, because he's also very like very you know, uh, fluent in in English and uh, and this isn't you know, language barrier wasn't any any problem for him even though he's not a native either uh, and and also because of the experience because he's done it a billion times before and he yeah, knows what yeah, I want. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like one of my best ever interviews was with Leander Pays because um, you can just tell that, that he's done this for like almost 30 years these, these interviews and stuff like that so, so he always has stuff ready he, he always like especially if you if you catch like an experienced player like that in, in a good mood and wanting to talk it, it's it's always a great interviewing experience yeah. yeah so same thing I mean you can just see that they've done it a billion times I believe like if we were suddenly to become tennis players we'd also be very good to interview because we sort of yeah. were on the other side and we know what's what the person talking to you wants like he or she doesn't want one word answers but just wants you to you know sort of talk give you some quotes uh, and and like yeah as I, as i said interviewing Roger was definitely a, a great experience uh, um, uh when talking about the doubles i didn't actually see the final because i was flying at that at that time so i have no idea what happened there but i mean Eller midler won uh 250 this year so yeah. th- this was, you know, these were the first opponents that were expected to give Heliovara uh, and Roger trouble. Uh, there was, I got a chance to see some very interesting players in the doubles too. I mean, 
you're gonna you're gonna i i found out that it's pronounced like chop they they pronounced it jürgen oh, jürgen yeah. chop um i mean i'm i'm assuming that the Finns knew how to pronounce it <laughs> because i'm talking of how the you know how the announcer who by the yeah. way was the same person as the as the media manager that i, that I talked about earlier uh, but i mean he he said jürgen chop so i'm assuming that that's how it's read it turns out that uh Passivirtanen, so Otto's father uh, coached Jürgen uh, oh. back in the day. Uh, also, Otto Virtanen said in an interview that uh, he was one of his idols growing up. So definitely a great chance for both. Chop hasn't Chop hadn't played since he retired in November last year, uh, and they actually, you know, they they were really good. Like the the, the match against Eller Miller was was competitive as well. Uh, I I don't know if it's gonna just you know if if it's gonna be just that one time thing, or maybe Chop is gonna play uh, Helsinki next year too. But he can still still clearly be competitive. I mean he's just 33, right? It's not like he he retired because he just couldn't anymore. He I mean he sort of couldn't, but he couldn't do it week in week out. It's it's not like he doesn't have the ability anymore. Toshihide Matsui was a was a player I really wanted to see as well. The the 43 year old currently the oldest run. Uh, singles player in the ATP rankings. Although, if if not for the ranking freeze, he would be way, you know, he would be out of them by uh, October or November 2020, something like that. But because of the freeze, he is still there. So technically, he's still ranked. Uh, and I also found out that challenger doubles is like a total random thing, as I thought. Uh, like the, the the match between Dennis Istomin and Courtney John Locke against the Sabanov brothers just <laughs> confirmed that idea to me that if <laughs> if we cannot predict uh, challenger singles games, then like doubles is just absolutely yeah, wild. We, we, we would be we would be insane to include doubles in our in our predictions because uh, you you just can't do it. Like like like, like doubles in general, I think is, is tougher to predict. But especially uh, ever since you you had the the ten point uh, tiebreaker and and no ad, it's become completely unpredictable and, and i've had some guys in interviews tell me that they don't like it because of that because they they feel like it's cost them many times in their career uh where it just makes it like a more of a 50 50 coin flip um but i mean i i, I personally like it. it it makes it quite you know fast-paced exciting uh and so on but yeah me too i mean i i always say that i simply enjoy doubles so much less than singles that i actually like having the certainty that the match is going to finish in some time and like <laughs> that there that there's a lot of high octane uh, you know exciting points that that's good that's good for me as a viewer uh, but but for the players i agree that it makes it very random uh, and yeah, i mean I, i i do enjoy like like a good uh, doubles epic like like you would have in the in old davis cup with best of five mm -hmm. or or sometimes at wimbledon you get like a really strong Uh, final that, that that goes five sets, but ha having it like week in week out, like two and a half hours doubles matches would be quite quite hard for the tour, I think. So. Yeah, I mean, we, we'd probably be watching more doubles if there wasn't so so much singles action already, right? I mean, yeah. it's just just a matter of 24 hours in a day mostly. Uh, Wimbledon epics uh, last year was that the, there was that final right between Cabal Farah and um, yes, Evermay. Yeah. I mean, that had to be two years ago because. Uh, yeah, because yeah. last year there was no Wimbledon, but, but but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that that was good. I I watched it from start to finish, uh, and but but it's just you know just a match every once in a while, not 
Uh, not all the time, yeah. I don't know. I, I think this is this probably should be all from Helsinki. These are all the interviews we had for sure. Um, a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun there. Uh, also seeing a country I, I've never been to, uh, which which was cool. Uh, I, I, I was never really much of a traveler, but recently, like, if, if, if I can travel and watch tennis at the same time, that's exciting. And I, I really want to see as many countries as I can, even though, obviously... Uh, I mostly saw the tennis courts. <laughs> I, I didn't really, uh, you know, go sightseeing or something like that. I just came from the from the bus station to, uh, you know, to the place where I was living. Um, especially because the the, the tickets uh, were like city transport were just so expensive that <laughs> I really didn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let, let's go to Pau. Uh, which which was the the biggest event um, this week was Radu Albot, the seventh seed, beating Yiji Lehechka six two seven six in the final. Uh, quite surprised, like I, I I did not expect Albot to to pull this out, out of nowhere. Uh, it was eighth challenger title of his career, his first since Liu Zhu in October two thousand eighteen. He goes up twelve spots to number one hundred twenty five, and en route to that final, he beat Lestien Kravchenko. Feliciano Lopez and Sergei Stavsky. Uh, any thoughts on Radu Albot? I mean, Paul was the one that I didn't really get to watch because it was the same time yeah. zone as, as Helsinki. Uh, I saw the second semi and the final. Uh, I mean, Albot, uh, I, I certainly thought that either Lehechka or Rune was, was winning this. Uh, yeah. And he just mitigated the effects of Lehechka's power beautifully, really. Uh, there was some real 2019-2020 vibes about that match in terms of Radu Albot's performance uh, and uh, I really enjoyed it for sure and it seems like he really needed it you know with with the year he's had uh, there was that slight bit of controversy in the second set tiebreak uh, at 5-4 for Lehechka Albot hit uh, forehand like it was it, uh, it wasn't called out uh Actually, no, I think it was it was called out, but then the chair umpire, chair umpire overruled it. Uh, okay. And I mean, from the stream, it looks out for sure. Uh, but obviously, you know, frame rates and all, it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, the crowd also thought it was out and booed the, the umpire for a while. And then Lehechka lost the next two points. You know, if, if, it, if the call was the other way, he would have had two set points. I mean... At this point, what can what can you do? I mean, it's, it, Albot was still the better player in that match, uh, but but it's a shame that you know there's that tiny bit of uh, tiny bit of controversy there. I think we both picked Holger Rune, did we? Yes, yes, we did. Yeah, and then I mean, he he's just really overplayed this year, like 101 matches at this point, and and it sometimes shows in in these first set like, first sets like against Lehechka, he again had to take a med- med- medical timeout. Uh, he was again really struggling physically. Uh, although the the performance, oh, I actually did see that uh, against Cressy in the quarters. Uh, that performance mm-hmm. was amazing. Like on return, he he was basically winning every single point on Cressy's first serve, even like forty five or something that like that return uh, first serve return points, forty five percent. I mean, uh, it was it was absolutely incredible how easily he was able to break Cressy, which is something that most players, you know, do not get to do. Even though uh, I don't know if you, if you saw that much between Cressy and Sachko, but the the scoreline, like 
that this could happen in a Maxim Cressy match is just absolutely uh, yeah, crazy I, for me. I, I did not see that, but yeah, that is one insane yeah, scoreline. Uh, zero six six one six one for Cressy over Sachko. It's 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 quite it's hard to imagine Cressy getting bageled, but then coming back and dropping two games that's possibly even harder because of his return game. Uh, to imagine that. Um, yeah, wow, crazy. I mean, Kristen went out to to, to Rune, as you said, uh, only won four games in, in that one. Um, yeah, we, we should also mention Lehechka breaking into the top 150 for the first time in his career at number 138. Uh, he's he's gone up 21 spots. Beat Gilles Simon uh, in the first round, which was quite expected, I think. Then Emery... Mayo and then uh, Rune 6 4 in the third in the semis. Uh, did you see uh, Lehechka this week? I did see him against Emery uh, and then Rune and, and then Albot. So I guess I actually saw a lot of uh, Lehechka this week. But the, the match against Emery, I wanted to point, at, point out because it was very similar to what we saw in Sibiu uh, versus Kokinakis, where Emery just plays honestly borderline top 100 level for most of the match. Uh, incredible stuff, is the better player, and then he needs to serve it out, and he just cannot. Uh, here it was even, like, in, against Kokinakis, he had a match point or something like that, but but here he actually lost his serve to Love and then lost the next two games. So just some you know, small mental issues that are stopping him at the moment from rising upwards. Obviously, he was at one point 112 in the ATP rankings, so... Uh, so very far off at the moment. And obviously we should mention Sergei Stakowski as well. Yeah. yeah. He'll reach the semis here and it's possibly going to be his last tournament, the last tournament of his career besides uh, Davis Cup uh, tie between Ukraine and Norway, I think. Yeah, I think Norway. Uh, it's not the finals. It's uh, it, it's it's a separate tie that they're going to play 26-27, uh, I think. Uh, it's, I believe, the, the group one playoffs to see yeah. if they go into the playoffs to potentially reach the finals next year. Yeah, 26th, um, 27th of November. So maybe, uh, like, what besides the Federer match, because that's the easy answer, but what's your favorite memory of Sergei Stakowski over the years? I mean, it's, it's tough to say. Sergei Stakowski was one of the first players that I've ever seen live. Uh, it was probably my second ever event. I, I went to Slovakia, Ukraine, uh, a Davis Cup match in in Bratislava, and I, I I was cheering for Slovakia, but I was cheering for Stakowski by, by the end of the match. Uh, it, it was quite incredible. I, I believe that the first day that he played Pavel Cervenak or somebody like that. Um, so I feel like just personally wise, it has to be that. But uh, yeah, what, what's your favorite Stakowski moment? Obviously, outside of the Federer. Uh, I also saw him live uh, Marseille last year, uh, but it, it wasn't a great match of his. He lost to Buckinger uh, 6-4, 6-4, I believe. Uh, I, uh, it, it's super random, but I would have to go with a win over Stan Wawrinka that he had in Marseille a couple of years back, mm. 2016, I think. Uh, that was uh, the whole week he was playing great, and I and like that was that was really. Uh, you know, when I when I discovered that this guy is extremely good to watch, and started uh, actually you know, maybe not following him, he had a bit of. Uh, I mean, he was very outspoken, which is cool. But then again, he had some very controversial <laughs> views. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the homophobia certainly yeah. suffered, <laughs> soured the the enjoyment of the tennis for for quite a while uh, for me. But <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, exactly. And that's why I, I, I would never really say that I was a fan of his, but I did, in, yeah, I, did I, enjoy I, I, watching I him play. I was definitely a fan of his before I found out about it okay. uh, when, when, when I was a kid. But <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, after it, it's difficult, no matter how much you enjoy the tennis, to, to really root for the person. Yeah, I, I found the match you talked about as well. Stakowski Cervenak, he won 7 5 6 2 6 1. And then yeah. proceeded to lose to lose to Klijan, uh two days later. Yeah, I, I wasn't there for that one. I was only there for the Friday. Okay. But... <laughs> 2011. Yeah. yeah. So hold, hold on, that, that that was 2011. Oh, maybe not. The, maybe, maybe he also yeah, played. 2012, I think. Oh, maybe he, maybe he played, played twice. Other. I don't know. Yeah, they, they they played each other back to back years. Ah, okay. And I wasn't there for the first one. Um, but yeah, because because the first the first oh, I, I only see I only see one though. You may it's a Davis Cup, right? Yeah. Hold okay, on. I don't know. I only I only see I only see the one. They played three times, uh, according to what I see. In 2012, they played in Stuttgart, and in 2006, they played in, at Bratislava. But Davis Cup, I only see the one rubber in 2011 uh, i don't know I yeah. mean, the records must be... it's also sometimes yeah. it's also that sometimes uh like the very lower i don't know where slovakia was at that point but like the the very lower groups uh, do not get counted in some records uh i don't know if that's the case like for example hurkacz and Tsitsipas have a davis cup meeting that is not counted in any atp head-to-heads <laughs> even even you know these other events because the it was like world group three or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I believe that was group one, uh, the, the Europe South Africa. Yeah, so, so, so I must have misremembered because I thought it was 2012. Yeah, 2012, I see that uh, Ukraine was in group two and uh, Slovakia was in group one. So I'm assuming yeah. that they, that had to be 2011. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 then that was po- that was possibly one of the first ones that I that I ever saw, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're gonna say goodbye to this guy soon, unless he changes his mind. But he seems to have a very clear idea of what of what he's gonna do, the wine making business and all. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Sh- sh- should we move on to Campinas? Sure. Uh, so that's where you got your only point of the week um, b- between the two of us. Sebastian Baez beat Thiago Monteiro, 6-1-6-4. His sixth challenge title, all of them this year. Um, he breaks into the top 100 at number 97. Very, very impressive for him. Uh, en route to the title, he beat Facundo Mena, Nicolas Alvarez, Santiago Fa, Rodriguez Taverna, and Francisco Serundolo. What did you make of Baez this week? Yeah, as you said, this is my... Uh, this is this was a point for me. So it's currently 13-15 looking from my side. And there are, I believe, 13 events left. Yes, 13 events left. So it's actually, you no, know, at this point, I'm not even laughing. I mean, there's actually a chance that I... It's very close, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that I catch up. Even, uh, you know, I think the past two weeks, I've gotten one point. Uh, so... Uh, like one point the the last week and one point the the previous week. So like, if I keep up the pace, then I'm gonna win by two. So uh, it would be it would be cool. Uh, Baez got me like three or four points. Of getting nothing this week, then then yeah. Yeah, I mean Baez got me like three or four points this year probably. So uh, yeah, I mean he just keeps doing it and he was so close to going out as well uh, in that quarterfinal against Rodriguez Taverna. Uh, Rodriguez Taverna served for, served for the match, actually. We keep 
sort of talking about the, the Argentinian that he has quite a bit of luck that his opponents play, uh, you know, just subpar in the in the matches against him. But uh, I mean, I'm talking of Rodrigo Staferna, not not biased to be clear. Uh, but but it seems like he really just I don't know drags them down to that level. Uh, I was super impressed that Baez still had the legs to beat Serundolo after that, because that was on the same day. Uh, and then even after playing two matches on Saturday, I mean, nothing makes any difference anymore for Sebastian Baez. He just absolutely smashed Monteiro off the court in the first set today. And then after like a very lengthy toilet break, Monteiro came back a bit stronger. Uh, the crowd was also... I had a, I had very mixed feelings. They were vocal. Uh, they they clapped on uh, bias points, sure, but I, I I really didn't like you know there, there was that one game at four three I think where bias committed like three double faults and every single one of them was so heavily cheered like for Monteiro right after them uh, that I didn't like and I think it also kind of got into un- under bias's skin but he served out that game and then proceeded to. To win his next, the you know the most important one so easily, as you said, six titles, nine finals in fourteen events this year. I'm talking of Challenger Tour only, uh, and the top 100 debut, which is super important. I don't know what this what it means for you know for the next weeks, like whether we're gonna see him at all. Uh, but I mean, even if we don't, this this has been a, a ridiculous season, and like the golden swing next year. Yes, that's where I expect Bias to sort of cash in on that on that success and, and get some great tour level wins. Yeah, I mean, so so, so Bias is still scheduled to play the other three events in in Brazil, uh, Brasilia, Sao Paulo, and Florianópolis. We'll, we'll we'll see how many of them he actually turns up to and plays. Um, but yeah, uh, some other things uh, that we had, we had Serundolo versus Serundolo in the quarterfinals. The the Serundolo brothers meeting each other for the second time only. Uh, Francisco won uh, again this time quite quite easily. Um, yeah, anything else from Campinas? Campinas. You, uh, who did you have to win? Uh, somebody that did not win. Hold on, let me have a look here. Uh, it's a very classic. Ah, Munar. Munar. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, who lost first round to to Rodriguez Taverna? Okay, I mean uh, that that was surprising. So I mean we can. Yeah, yeah. I thought maybe you went for Echeverry, but I think you only said no, that you... I mean, I, it, it, it seems like somebody that would go for Echeverry. Yeah, I, mean, I think you said that he was calling to you or something like that. Yeah, uh, uh, no, I, I, I should have gone for Echeverry. It would have been a more exciting week for me in, in Campinas. I would have been in play for, for yeah. longer. I thought Nicolas <laughs> Jari was going to play so well. I mean, he dismantled Coria and Hugo Carabelli, uh, breaking them constantly. And then, I mean, I don't know. I didn't see that uh, that quarters against uh, between him and Echeverry. I think that was when I was leaving Helsinki and I had to go to bed early or something like that. I was also impressed by Skatov. Uh, it's cool that he went to South America and he's actually getting results there. Uh, I, I, I didn't really know if that was going to happen or not. Like how to compare that the level of some of these tournaments that he succeeded in, like the, the, yeah. the final he lost to Berks to... What what's here in South America also completely different conditions even though it's still clay and he actually held a match point uh, over Monteiro but couldn't return his serve on it. Uh-huh. Uh, should we move on to Champagne? Yeah. 
All right, Champaign, Illinois. We had Stefan Kozlov against Alexander Bukic for three weeks in a row. Now. <laughs> uh, second time in the final, Kozlov wins once again, 5-7, 6-3, His fifth challenger title in his career, third this year, gets the Australian Open wild card. Um, brilliant week for, for, for Kozlov. Uh, beat JC Aragon, uh, Keegan Smith, Mitchell Kruger, and JJ Wolf. What did you make of Kozlov this week? Um, Kozlov. I mean, what can you say about Kozlov? In the last five challenger events he played, he won 20 matches, lost two. He's absolutely ridiculous at the, at the moment. Uh, he, I, I, th- I really think the biggest improvement has been serve and also how he's playing after it, like the sheer efficiency of his serve plus one play. It's something that wasn't there before, and it's allowing him to get all these great results. Honestly, a tough draw, like Kruger, Wolf, and Vukic in a row. That's really tough. We both had Vukic to win it. Uh, I mean, Wolf, not Vukic. Uh, Wolf, Wolf, yeah. Wolf, I mean, Wolf, yeah. Um, and I mean, he lost uh, the, the, in the semis to Kozlov again. This is the fourth time we've seen this matchup in this, uh, over the summer. And very similarly to the Vukic-Kozlov matchup. Like, they're both uh, just so hard for Wolf and Vukic because they like the constant pace. They like playing very quick uh, rallies. And, and Kozlov just totally gets in the way of that. He's so unique that, that, that he that he absolutely forbids them to play their own game. Uh, and it, it's a super frustrating matchup. Although Vukic had a great chance today. Uh, there, there were moments where Kozlov was basically dead, like he, he had no energy left. And yet he somehow pulled through it. Uh, the, I guess the most important thing is that he won the wildcard challenge. Uh, he yeah. by defeating Wolf, that was actually a match for the Australian Open wildcard, which added the the extra pressure there. Uh, but but yeah, but as it turns out, Kozlov t- took it again, and he's. I mean, it's very hard to compare to you know what he has now to what he played before. But I'm pretty sure he never never had a stretch like that. Five challenger events, three titles, one final, and just just that one loss to McHugh. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I expected the, the match between Kozlov and Wolf to be may, maybe more, more of a dramatic match, more exciting, because obviously th- it's these two guys on the challengers facing off for a match for a wildcard, which basically gets them like financial security for the whole ne- for all next season, pretty much. Um, but yeah, that, that was a pretty straightforward win for Kozlov. For, for Vukic, also a very strong, um, strong week. Uh, he will debut at a new career high ranking at number 156. Uh, so that's great for him. I mean, he, he's probably somebody that could also get a Australian Open wild card, so they might yeah. face off then yeah. <laughs> uh, in Melbourne. I think he should. I think he totally should. I mean, it, yeah. it would be a travesty if he didn't at this point. Like the 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 way he uh, obviously Kozlov stole the show, but Vukic got like what four semifinals uh, in his past five events, something like that. No, I mean free because he lost to Mo in, and he lost to Kozlov. But I mean, he yeah. still got a semi, a semi, a semi, a final and a final or something like that. So yeah. ever since he came back to playing, but I think he also had a semi before Kozlov hit that stretch. So I mean, ever since he came back from Europe, from clay to to the states, playing on hard courts again, he's been absolutely exceptional. Just cannot get over that final step. But I was actually, uh, you know, my my occasion holds these. Uh, sort of streams pre-match sometimes and I, I I asked him a question and he sort of said today uh, today before the final he sort of said what I also had in mind that I wouldn't really look at Vukic 0-3 challenger 
finals record as some sort of a mental block yet because let's look at who he played Kozlov twice and Manarino once like yeah. these guys basically have the same strengths in in the Vukic matchup that they can absorb the power so well that they play such unique flat off-base balls and Vukic just cannot play his game from that and in in a way I think Vukic could actually fare better on the main tour than he does in challengers because there are the amount of guys like Kozlov uh, is simply probably like bigger here <laughs> like yeah. uh, more people on the atp tour play this rapid you know big big tennis big, you know big power tennis and vukic just enjoys that uh but i mean i i i i hope he can get that that challenger pretty soon i'm not sure if if this year because that's gonna be tough as he's not playing anymore <laughs> but i mean uh but i mean uh i i hope he's gonna do it next year and as as you said i i, I hope the australian open wildcard is also uh i mean they have to give him one right when you look at guys from like 100 yeah. 200 australians uh yeah, there's not gonna be enough of them to exclude Vokic probably yeah I, i'd be shocked if he didn't get one um but yeah, I mean, I, I, they they do have like a wild card playoff, which yes. I don't think I, I don't know if he's going to enter that or not because I feel like he can ex- expect one even outside of that probably. Maybe they say that beforehand. Like I don't know. I I, I can't remember I, I how can't it's done. remember how they do it. Um, that that wild card playoff, but because yeah, but I, he got the wild card last year, right? I mean this this yeah. year still. So so this year he's even he's right right now uh into the australian 2022 australian open he's even stronger so uh, i don't see a reason why he wouldn't uh yes so some other guys to, to, to mention we had yosuke watanuki making a semi-final which was quite a surprise for me uh beat galano uh completely dismantled uh altmaier in the second round six two six one um and then beat ben shelton uh shelton who was also a surprise quarterfinalist as a qualifier uh, beat Govind Nanda, who I remember quite enjoying a couple of, mm-hmm. like, in the summer. Uh, Hunter Heck, which is a great, great name. <laughs> uh, beat Blaž Rola and Peja Kastin. Uh, and he's broken into the top 600 for the first minute's career. And Vasil Kirkov, somebody who I've completely forgotten about, uh, but I saw him live at, or- at the Orange Bowl in 2015, I think. Um, and he reached the quarterfinal here with the wild card, beat Kuneshvaran and Nick Chapel, and so he breaks into the top four, 450 uh, for the first time in his career. Anything else from Champagne? Uh, no, I think we can just go to match of the week and upset of the week. Uh, yes, so upset of the week for me, I just mentioned it, Yosuke Watanuki over Daniel Altmaier, 6-2-6-1 uh, in that second round. Not expecting that uh, from, from Altmaier after that run that he had in Knoxville, which was quite impressive to win three games against Watanuki. I, I did not see this coming at all. What was yours? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I still don't really rate Altmaier that much on hardcores, which is crazy, I know. Uh, I, I probably should, uh, but I did go for an upset that you also didn't expect, which is Rodriguez Taverna over Munar. <laughs> Once again, I'm going to say that this, the guy seems so limited and not really ready to play this level, and he still keeps doing that, and I just can't see how and why. But but it's okay. I mean, I, I'm warming up to him now. Uh, for the bookies, it was actually Nick Chapel over Emilio Nava, which was fairly weird for me. I mean... 
I guess they just first of all underestimate Chapel and then overestimate how like they they just don't really understand how unsteady Nava is. Yeah, I mean Nava had a had a good couple of weeks recently and there's some nice wins in there. Um but to have him as like a huge favorite over Nick Chapel. I, I mean I would make him the favorite if I was a bookie, but not definitely, but not not like that. I mean it was like 115 or something like that. Uh for for almost five for Chapel, I think. So yeah. Wow. And what's your match of the week? My match of the week, I wonder if we're going for the same one or not. Uh I went for Sergei Stachowski over Norbert Gombosch. Uh no, not, not the same one. Okay. Uh yeah, six four one six seven six for for Stachowski. Very dramatic match, very high level from Stachowski, which I honestly wasn't expecting. I, I almost picked Stachowski in my upset over Denis Novak with that first round win. Um, but yeah, I, I was expecting Gombosch to to pull through here, uh, but Stachowski just found that another level. Uh, probably realizing that it's one of his last matches that, that he'll play as a as a professional tennis player, and and just pull through here. Yeah, I think that determination was a big aspect of this run. Like I, I think he, it's crazy, but he probably wouldn't have done it if it wasn't his last week. Uh, I I didn't pick that because I didn't see it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I I I was in Helsinki at the time still. Uh, but I I wanted to go for a match that I saw live definitely, and like for. I kind of want to troll and go Kachmazov Mochizuki because it was such a fun mess <laughs> for three hours. But then I, I the la, the very last match that I saw that week was uh, actually saved me from going for that. Uh, and it was Brody over, uh, I mean, Jao Souza over Liam Brody. Uh, from the like, from a second set onwards, Souza was clearly the better player. Brody was just hanging by the by a thread, barely surviving. And it was... Really, really good to see the, the the fight from Brody. Although uh, in the tiebreak, then then Souza won seven one and then really dominated it again. And that that was that was really cool. That was probably the well, maybe I don't know if it was the best match I saw in Helsinki, but like taking level and drama uh, together, it was combining it, and it was definitely the one with the high, the one with the highest. Uh, that that sort of uh, figure metric that I just came up with, uh, yeah. So we can we can now go to to the to next week's events. We've got four again. Where do you want to start? Uh, yes. So, so I've picked all my winners ahead of time. I'm not trying to block you okay. out. So if we if we match up uh, with the same winner, it's co- coincidental. Uh, let's start in Puerto Vallarta, which is the the biggest event this week. It's a it's 110. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I should know this. Uh, is it? Is it a hundred? I mean, I I see that's an eighty, but it's Wikipedia, so it might be wrong. I, I'm gonna p- try to pull up the challenger calendar quickly. But uh, I, I was looking at Arizona. Uh, Arizona. Uh, so some something is wrong. Then. It has to be an eighty. Yeah. 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 yeah because the, so the prize is. money is the same as in Bahrain and Brasilia. So. That's that's wild. Like like they they, they have the prize money off like, like being like way higher uh, on the resultina. Yeah, that, that that's just way off. Uh, I, I think, was wondering. You know, I think more. in two thousand nineteen it, it probably was uh, a bigger event. Yeah. That, that, I I, I think yeah. I recall it being huge. It, it was also voted as the like the the you know it got the award for being the best challenger. So I think it's just two thousand nineteen stats on resultina simply. Okay. Yeah. That, that's possible. Yeah. I was wondering why why more people didn't come if they were offering so much money out. But <laughs> yeah, anyway. fifty fifty k dollars. I think uh, it's the real yeah fifty two. 
so so Puerto Vallarta, uh, still a lovely destination to go to, I think, probably in Mexico. Uh, we have Pablo Cuevas as the top seed facing off against Alexander Kovacevic, which should be a very interesting match. Uh, Kovacevic uh, has, has had a, he, he had a good run in, in Vegas to the semis, then tight loss to Salk, uh, third set tiebreak goes to Brower um, in, in Champagne. Uh, Cuevas uh, has, I mean, he, he played his first uh, match in like three months almost uh, and lost to Coyarini um, last week. So it, it certainly is a, is a coin flip for, for who wins that one. Then we have uh, Matias Franco Descote playing Gerardo Lopez Villasenor with a wild card for Mexico. Uh, then we have Yosuke Watanuki, who's probably my favorite to make it out of, out of the section, playing uh, Jose Ruben Statham, who's here with a protected ranking. I've I've not seen him in so long. I remember him from like way back in the day. I, ju I just knew him as like a New Zealand player, mm -hmm. and he's played very little. Um, played some Davis Cup uh, on on grass in September, then played two uh, ITFs, and, and now he's here in in Puerto Vallarta. So that's certainly unexpected. Uh, <laughs> and we have seven seats. He, he's got a PR, right? So he just yes, made it. Yeah. Into... Uh, by the way, why did you, I mean, maybe there's a reason, I mean, why did you read in, like, I, I just always go, uh, went for Statham, like Jason Statham. <laughs> I don't know if, yeah, it's, if that's mean, how I, it's actually read. I mean, I, I'm just asking. Yeah. I, I, I just I just read it as it, as it came to me. Okay. I mean, to say Statham, um, <laughs> like, like the movie star. Um, anyway, uh, third seed, Alejandro Tabilo in the next section, playing Andean Menendez Maceiras. Then we have a very intriguing wild card, uh, who I kind of want to discuss here, uh, Milic Kosu. Uh, that's how I assume it's, it's pronounced. So he he uh, he has lost a lot um, on, on the main tour. Not, not not a lot, but he's he's not come close to winning uh, ever. Um, as as a junior, he was okay. He was like top three hundred and fifty, and he plays college. At Purdue, where he he's like two and eleven, he he gets quite murdered there as well. <laughs> um, and then so so he's here with his wild card into the into the main draw, and then he plays doubles with Pablo Cuevas uh, as a wild card in in the in the doubles. He only seems to play in Mexico. I mean, I, I yeah. he, he got a wild card into Lyon 2019 and Monterrey 2020. That's yeah, so, so like, I, I do wonder what's going on there. I just wanted to point it out. Uh, he plays Donald Young in the in the first round, so he, probably a nice win for for EY there. Uh, we have Alex Rybakov playing a qualifier and AC Tatsumaito playing Geese, um, or guys, guys probably, guys Brower. Um, next section, we have Ernesto Escobedo, the four seed, playing Alexis Valerno in one of the more exciting first round matches here. Then we have Kaichi Uchida fa facing Alexander Sarkisian with a protected ranking. Then we have Martin Cuevas playing uh, Yun Cheng Shang, who's the top ranked junior in the world. He's only 16. He was born in 2005, uh, which is <laughs> crazy. There is a bit of controversy about that. Uh, I heard from people who are like, you know, in insiders, let's say, on the on the junior circuits in the States. Uh, that that like a mother of some of one of the players uh, like accused him of forging his papers and that he was banned from something like it's all very unclear. I wasn't able to confirm any of that, but I like, mean, 
like I, I don't know. I just I just know there is some sort of a, a controversy there that a controversy there uh, that there are people who think that he actually is older than he you know than 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 his documents say. I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, the guy is great. Yeah. I mean, but. Uh, I, I I've never watched him before, so so I'll definitely try and watch his first round here. Um, but honestly, I mean, he, he's 16. He's a top-ranked junior, um, so that that I think is something that is very probably appealing to sponsors. If you just look at that and are like, oh my god, this guy's 16. He's two years underage, and he, and he's the top-ranked junior. That's certainly like a big talent. I mean, that, that, that's what he's in my mind, and I've never watched him play. It's just like the, those numbers make you think that he's a big talent. So. The, the case could be certainly made for it to, for it to be profitable. Yeah, I mean, to, he, for just... uh, I think he's signed actually by IMG. So, like, that's a very... Uh, because yeah. he got a wild card to Miami qualifying. Uh, I, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm absolutely certain he, he's with IMG. So that, that's actually... You know, it totally makes sense what, you, what you're saying. He's also the son of a Chinese footballer and uh, of a Chinese table tennis player, I think. Like, a very interesting story. I don't know if that if that age thing. I mean, I I just prefer to just I I try to avoid uh, you know saying that wow he's great for his age because of that. But I'm also not going yeah. to obviously call him out for for anything because I said I wasn't able to confirm anything. So yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try and watch him and, and see about that. He 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 did very he did quite well in the. In Miami, he almost beat Liam Brody there. And then amazing at 15 case, uh, he he yeah. won three three out of four uh, like yeah. mon- a month ago or something like that. Uh, yes, yeah, so, so so clearly he's a good tennis player. Um, I I do want to watch him though against Martin Cuevas. Uh, and the the last match in that uh, section is fifth seed Michael Mo playing Nick Chapel. Um, and in the final section we have second seed Daniel Altmaier playing Michael Redlicky. Um, and then we have JC Aragon playing a qualifier, Zachary Sveda playing a qualifier, and six seed Christian Harrison playing Roberto Ortega Olmedo. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see to see Sveda here. I I hope that he goes on a on a nice run. Uh, just come off a 25k win over uh, Eduardo Nava, not, not not Emilio Nava in that in that 25k in Austin this week. Yeah. yeah what, what, do you, what do you make of this draw? Who's exciting you here? Eduardo uh, Nava as a, as a lucky loser. Yeah, I, 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 I thought that turned a bit. Uh, I mean, for, from the qualities, we've got Govind Nanda, who you, who you really like. Uh, Kirkov is playing Liam Drax tomorrow, which could be very interesting. Uh, Kirkov is clearly playing better than, than his ranking suggests, and Liam Drax is a very interesting college player as well. Uh, can't remember what he plays. Kent, University of Kentucky, I think. But he's like one of the best players in the NCAA. Uh, yeah, I mean the draw is some a bit weaker than what we had yeah. on the uh, on the American Challengers for sure. But there mm. are there's a lot of things to be excited about. Uh, I totally don't remember what Rubin or Jose, as his uh, his nickname is, Statham or Statham plays. <laughs> honestly, like I I haven't seen him in years. Uh, Cuevas Kovacevic is a fantastic first round matchup. I actually saw Kovacevic was the favorite for this one. I mean, oh, wow. it's it's a 50 50 for me because of the question marks, I guess, <laughs> that, 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 we, that, that we have. Uh, Yuncheng Shang is, is very exciting for sure, like, regardless of how old he is, uh, to win three, uh, three ITFs out of four uh, with, with fairly difficult draws for 15Ks. 
was excellent. He was he, I actually saw him just a couple times during the US Open Boys Singles uh, final run where he lost to Rincon, but he showed some real promise promise and as Fida again as you said I'm also excited for him to do to do well here. Uh it's it's a good draw possibly for 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 a run. He's clearly clearly better than uh, than what he's ranked at the moment as well because he's so young and i'm talking for you know just total crap here because i really have no idea what to go for here i am going to go for alejandro tabiro i think and uh, normally mm. i wouldn't do that because i considered him a clay court player mostly before this year but then he had that great run in lexington uh runner-up this summer and I like the draw. I mean, Menendez Moseiras hasn't been a threat in, in a while. Donald Young is Donald Young. And besides that, like in the top half, besides Stabilo, I honestly see just Cuevas, Kovacevic as contenders. Maybe Vatanuki, maybe maybe Vu. <laughs> Descote uh, used to do great in Mexican challengers, but I mean, he's... He's always been a very hit or miss player, and the bottom half seems a lot stronger. I I, I just feel like players like Altmaier, Svaida, Harrison, Escobedo, Moch, even Shang, they could all go far, and and I I am not comfortable picking there. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Alejandro Tabilo. Uh, yeah, uh, Tabilo, I, I considered. I also considered quite strongly Daniel Altmaier, mm-hmm. uh, just because I mean he 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 should he should he should, he's one of the best players in this draw. Um, I, I just feel like he's destined for a quarterfinal loss to either Harrison or, or Sveda there, or potentially somebody exciting from the qualifiers. Um, I, I am picking a player from arguably the, the toughest quarter here, but I'm going for it anyway. And that's why Escobedo is my pick uh, for this tournament here. As you said, uh, there is Mo, there is Shang. Galarno is his first round. It's, it, it's not easy. Um, but I, I feel like I feel like um, this could be a strong week for him. He's if, if he gets out of the quarter, he should be better than anybody in the, in the in the quarter below him, and that that, that, that gets into the final. Um, so yeah, it's it's Kobido. He's my pick. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I I mostly wasn't comfortable with the Galarno first round matchup, mm-hmm. like in in Escobedo's somewhat shaky form recently. I I wasn't really. Uh, comfortable with this, but Admire was was certainly a good option as well. You're gonna see. Hopefully, I'm gonna uh, still have a chance. You know, it would be amazing if we entered last week, like you know, just one point behind. Someone would be one point oh, behind or tied. That would be so exciting, and I mean, everyone would be, uh, you know, tweeting about this this race. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. man. All right, should we move on to uh, next one I've written here is Manama. Sure. Uh, Manama in, in Bahrain. Uh, I don't know if they've had an event here before. Do you, do you know? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I saw something because I Googled for it, but it was like a billion years ago. Or maybe, or maybe no, I was actually Googling for, for a challenger event in Bergen. No, then probably not. I don't know. I'm going to look for it yeah, and you talk about the draw. <laughs> I, I, I assume that it's a new one. Um, it's certainly a very interesting place. I, I actually had a, had a childhood friend who was uh, half Bahrainian, so she was, she was actually there like quite often. Uh, and she described it as a very small place. So, so no, I mean, I, probably, I probably not. Uh, I, I don't think there was a challenger there before. But by the way, I wanted to point out the name of this event. Uh, did, mm-hmm. you, did you see like the official? Um, oh, 
Yes. I mean, can you imagine a tournament that would be called the Slovakia Ministry of Interior Tennis Challenger? Like the, the Ministry of Interior sponsoring a challenger? That's quite insane. That's quite weird. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it just in our reality, either Slovakia, Poland, or even UK or wherever, it's just sort of uh, unheard of. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I just can't really imagine the Polish government yeah, I mean, doing that. With, with, with the Slovak ministers of interior, especially in the past, I feel like it would have been strongly boycotted. Um, but, uh, very, very interesting name. I actually didn't notice that. Bahrain Ministry of Interior Tennis Challenger. It's not even an open, um, which, which is upsetting. But anyway, to the draw, we have Radu Albot um, having probably a very easy first round here against, against Goncalo Oliveira. In the second round, probably a, uh, a qualifier or Antoine Escoffier, uh, who actually um, won a 25K two weeks ago. So, so, so he might be somebody to keep yeah, an eye for. Escoffier has been doing very strong, well. Strong year, 50, 55 wins on the year for, for Escoffier. Mm -hmm. um, who, yeah, 29. Uh, maybe he'll have a breakthrough here. Then we have 60, Rankumara Ramanathan, uh, playing a qualifier and then facing either Mukund Sazikumar. Or Duya Aydukovic. In the next section, we have third seed Altuk Celikbilek playing a qualifier, then facing Fatic or Midler. Other seed in the section is Jay Clark playing a Bahrainian uh, wildcard Hasun Abdul Nabi. Um, and then the winner of that faces Mateo Viola or Yah Su. Um, next section, we have Christopher O'Connell, fourth seed playing Ryan Peniston. Uh, winner of the face is Geoffrey Blancanor or Ivan Marrero Corbello, uh, who is unranked with a wild card here. Uh, have, have we talked about Marrero Corbello before? I don't remember. I, I think this is the first time I'm seeing his name, frankly. So, yeah, so, 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 so he's played three challengers this year already with, with qualifying really? wild cards. Really? Uh, in Las Palmas and Tenerife. Uh, there, I guess we just didn't notice it because it Yeah, wasn't... he just goes unnoticed because you know, no, on Sunday you've got all the finals and then you. Yeah. yeah he, two, I, I, I see two. He lost to Shevchenko and to Giannu. So actually, yeah. good, good rivals. I mean, he, he took a set of Giannu. Yeah, so, 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 so I guess he is in a, a scrub of the levels of some other guys that we talk about as shady wildcards. But certainly quite surprising to, to see him with a wildcard here in, in Manama. I mean, I, I guess if they're not getting any sponsorship money, they might as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they just asked them for it. Like, it's possible that they just possible. had one good player. Uh, I mean, good. We'll see. Abdul Nabi. And yeah. then they just had other wildcards to give out, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we have Prachen Shkweshvar and uh, the fifth seed playing Yankee Erel, a wildcard from Turkey. A more understandable one, because the guy's like top 600 at least. Um, then we have Hiroki Moria facing Otto Virtanen. In the last section, we have Cem Ilkel in an all-Turkish derby against Ergi Kirkin. The winner of that faces Nuno Borges or Filip Christian Giannou. So quite, quite interesting little, little corner here of the draw. In the section also, we have 8th seed Mirza Basic playing Evgeny Karlovsky, who has a 4 nothing head-to-head over. Uh, Basic leading that, so that's quite interesting. Uh, winner faces Eller or a qualifier. What do you make of this draw in, in Manama? Yeah, I, I love the first round between Peniston and O'Connell. That that seems really exciting in, in Peniston's current form. Uh, the old Turkish matchup is great too, Kirkin and Ilkal. 
I mean, Turks came to Bahrain <laughs> heavily here, like Chalik Bilek is yeah. here as well. Uh, in the qualies, I don't know if there's anyone that can make a big run. Pervolarakis has been kind of uh, playing very well in in recent weeks, but I saw him uh, taking a medical timeout uh, in his match today. He still won six four six zero, but maybe maybe you know maybe that's a sign that he he overplayed or just just isn't going to be one hundred percent. I I have a bit of a uh, you know uh, a tough time picking here because Radu Albot seems very like like a very strong pick after Po honestly, but then mm-hmm. again Ramanathan Escoffier that's that's pretty tough. Escoffier I think could do well here. Like if 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 Albot withdraws or if Albot is just you know not not up to his standards after a long week in Po, then Escoffier could capitalize. He was he's been really good in in French twenty five case in the in the past few months. Like he he pretty much lost to like Kirkov, Van Asche, Sweeney. And one more guy, which I can't can't remember at the moment, but it was just you know a really good list of names, like pretty much to beat him. And even before that, he reached the quarters in BL, uh, the challenger, right? Uh, he lost to Wessler, I think. Yeah, in, to Wessler for sure. Uh, so so I'm gonna skip on Albot, and then my my mind goes to Chadik Bilek instantly. <laughs> he got me a point this year, I feel like, but he also got me some. You know, some, some some not not great memories when I picked him and he lost in the first round, but I like the draw. I I, I really like the quarter he's in. Midler could potentially be dangerous with the slice. Uh, I'm I'm so very happy to see Edler playing singles again because I don't know why he's sort of became like a double specialist in the past month or so, which was a bit <laughs> weird. Maybe he just didn't want to play qualies or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I I mean I'm not I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna think about it more. I'm just gonna go with Altuk Chalik Bilak. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's possible that the Adler was actually getting there too late for for the qualies in in some cases, maybe. Like not uh, not last week for sure, because Midler yeah, was playing qualies. Yeah. So uh, so th- oh, mean, yeah, that, they that, had that, to that, come together from Ortisay, right? So yeah, so so, so you went for Chalik Bilak, right? Yeah, uh, I did go for Chalik Bilak. Yes. Yeah, Chalik Bilak. I, I considered heavily Ilkel. I considered heavily. Um, Albot, I mean, they're all quite strong picks. I've decided to go for somebody again who could potentially lose their first round and it wouldn't be such a big shock, but I'm going for it anyway. I'm going for Christopher O'Connell, uh, for the title here. I mean, uh, the, 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 the guy when he gets on form on hard court, uh, is, is amazing. Uh, we, we saw him had a very strong run in, in Saint Tropez and also recently. Um, and then, you know, earlier this year, quarterfinal in Atlanta, um, so yeah, I mean, he, on, on hard courts here, I, f- I feel like he's a he's a pretty good pick. Peniston first round is is dangerous though, but yeah, O'Connell is my pick. Yeah, that that was exactly what I was afraid of. Uh, Peniston, I actually didn't remember that O'Connell already played since that Saint Tropez uh, final retirement that he played in Bergamo a couple of weeks ago, and mm-hmm. he did quite okay. So so yeah, maybe it's a stronger pick than I than I thought. So yeah. Uh, you actually picked two uh, four seats so far, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, they're in the uh, same, the very same spot in the draw. So uh, we're <laughs> gonna see if that trend continues. Uh, yeah, you you you'll just have to wait and see something exciting for the for the listeners <laughs> following along with the draws. Um, yes. Uh, next up, I have Brasilia here. Um, top seed Federico Correa uh, has kind of struggled, um, lost quite easily to to Hari. Uh, lost, lost to Del- I mean, the Italian loss was was uh, a big battle in the in the semis, but 
he lost to Harry quite easily. He can play himself into form here in the first rounds. He has a qualifier and then Koyarini or Wilson Leita, a Brazilian wildcard. Then, however, he will have either AC Juan Ignacio Londero, who's facing Johan Niklas, or potentially Felipe Melgeni Rodriguez Alves, who's playing Pedro Sakamoto. So then it gets a little tougher in the quarters there. Uh, in the next section, we have four seed Francisco Serundolo, who plays a qualifier and then plays either Puccinelli de Almeida or Olivieri, which should be an interesting first round match. Um, then we have fifth seed Ugo Delian uh, playing Nicolas Hari, which should be also exciting. Winner plays Casanova or Haida. Um, then we've got third seed Sebastian Baez faces Gil uh, Gilbert Clier and then plays either Pedro Cachin or Mateus de Carvalho Cardoso Alves, uh, arriving Melgeni Rodriguez Alves for one of the longest names uh, on tour here. Uh, in the same section, we have Tomas Martin Echeverri playing Nicolas Kiker. Uh, winner faces Fikovic or Luz. And in the final section, Jame Munar, second seed plays Alejandro Gonzalez. Winner faces Rodriguez Taverna or a qualifier. Uh, in this section, also seven seed Sabochfield plays Diaz Acosta. And then the winner faces Alvarez Varona or a qualifier. Uh, so who's caught your eye here? I'm going to reveal I've picked either the, the same uh, spot in the draw, or I've picked the fourth seed. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you guess mm. which one I picked here. Okay, I mean that's actually very interesting because if you if you're not if you're not familiar with the draws, then the fourth seed is Francisco Serundolo, and the third seed is Sebastian Baez, and he's in that same spot that uh, Jakub's previous two picks were. And I mean, uh, by the way, from the qualities, I'm not really looking at anyone here because I, like no one seems to be capable of a of a deep run, honestly. Yeah. No. Uh, Bobrov is the is the top seed. Uh, I mean, every single player I'm looking at has a very big drawback next to them, because there's like Londero. I'm, I I don't even want to consider. But Federico Coria has Colarini, whom we already talked about, like their their record against each other. That Coria lost to him like ten times. So I don't want to go for this. Serundolo has Puccinelli de Almeida, who is. Uh, oh, uh, he's 0 for 2 against him in recent weeks. Jari Delian is a first round matchup that I don't want to pick from. The same goes for Echeverry Kicker. Baez, is he going to play this event? Who knows? Uh, I mean, Sabofield is not, not exactly a strong favorite either. And then Munar has Rodriguez Taverna uh, next to him, who he lost to last week. And, and he just hasn't been doing well. I just don't trust him against guys like Baez, Echeverry, or something like that. So I really don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I'm actually going to, this is, this is stupid because I should be trying to make up for points, but I'm, I am going to uh, just, I think you picked Francisco Serundolo. I don't think he went with bias and I am going to go with Serundolo as well because I'm sort of uh, thinking the same. And then I, I simply know that I'm not going to lose points here. And I really think that Serundolo is probably the strongest pick here, even though his record against Puccinelli de Almeida is, is poor. So I am going with San Francisco Serundolo. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually going for bias here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I hope he throws. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's probably, that's for me, probably the biggest, uh, like, obstacle for him. Like, is, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? If he plays, 
I feel like he's taking this event. I mean, his section, Kachin, Echeverri, Kiker, man, he's better than those guys and, I, and he's going to come through them. Uh, for Serundolo, as you said, Pucineda made that, but then Harry or Delian in the quarters, I don't really like it uh, that much. So, yes, yeah, Spies is my pick. Sure, I mean, I really thought I had you figured there. <laughs> uh, I had you figured out and I did not. Okay, I mean, Serundolo... I, I got you in the mental games here. So. Yeah, if Bias doesn't play, I think Serundolo is the right way to go. I don't know, we're gonna see. Uh, like I, I'm, I'm right now. I'm looking at who, who's in the very same spot at Bari, <laughs> and it's actually I don't know. I don't know if you're gonna go for him, but but it's not. Yeah, you know, it's not co- totally unrealistic. <laughs> right. So Bari, uh, we have uh, hard. I, I believe it's actually outdoors. I, I, I looked at one of the qualifying really? matches. It seemed to be outside. Oh there yes, it is. It is. You're right. I mean, uh, all three are are outdoors. Yes, it's right. quite insane. I mean, I mean, for for Bari, I don't know what the weather is like there usually, but it's in Italy. It's not that far, and it's pretty pretty cold outside here. So, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about that. I mean, obviously, put the way at and Manama, they they could play outside. Yeah. Uh, I watched I watched the qualies match today and I'm asking if it's outdoors or indoors. I uh, I mean sometimes I'm I'm really <laughs> I don't get myself. But yeah, so uh Bari with top seed Carlos Tabernet uh against the qualifier faces Brancaccio or Potenza. Uh then we have Madden facing off against Jack Draper. Then we've got an all Italian derby, Thomas Fabiano against seven seed Roberto Marcora. Uh, next section, we have Oskar Ote playing against a uh, wildcard from Ukraine, Alexander Ovcharenko, who actually seems to be good. He's 20, 731 in the world. Uh, so, so it should be quite interesting to watch at the very least. Um, then he faces Stryker um, or a qualifier. Next, next seed in the section is uh, Federico Gallo playing Tobias Kamke. Winner of that faces either Flavio Koboli or Sanchez Izquierdo. Uh, next section, we have Maxime Cressy, who is in that spot, uh, as we talked about. He's also a fourth seed, but I'm not picking him this tournament because he looked quite rough uh, in, that, in that loss to, to, to Rune. And also, I mean, dropping a six loss to Sachko, he, he's all over the place. I'm not going to pick him here. But he plays Luca Nardi, um, then either Julian Lenz or Tim Van Rijthoven in the second round. Yeah, Van Rijthoven is a, is a pretty tough draw, I think. Uh, so, so I don't want him. Uh, AC Daniel Masur also is actually playing qualifier and then faces potentially another qualifier or Francesco Forti. Final section we have Holger Arun, uh, second seed playing Andrea Arnaboldi. In the second round, potentially has Pavel Kotov or Filippo Baldi with a protected ranking. And uh, some other guys in this section, uh, Bachinger plays Pellegrino. And fifth seed Nikola Milojevic plays Andrea Babasori. Um, yeah, who, who who do you like from this draw here? I thought I had a pick already. Like I I was pretty sure what I was gonna go for, and then I mean I'm I'm looking at Holger Rune's section right now, and it's really pretty cool. Like even if he's you know he's overplayed, he has that accumulated fatigue. Then this is a really good section still. And I, I I am sort of struggling right now, so I'm just gonna say that in the qualies there are I mean Fanslow or Eupovic could could do something, but there was a very interesting match today between Cornea and Petros Tsitsipas. 
uh, the doubles greats <laughs> played against each other, uh, the legendary pair that, that I've talked about so many times. Uh, yeah, and it was a very weird match. In the first set, Tsitsipas led 4-0 and lost it. In the second set, he led 4-1 and lost it. Uh, uh, so, but, but anyhow, coming back to the draw, I mean, I, I thought I had my mind set on Oscar Rotte, but I'm now compl- I'm now definitely thinking of of Holger Rune. I mean, Ote is gonna play streaker in the second round potentially. Hmm. Yeah, I'm still unsure. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm assuming you you probably also have one of these guys. So so I don't you know don't want to like force you into going first. So I mean, I just I just have to pick something at one point. I mean, screw it. I'm gonna go Holger Runa. Um, I've also no, I'm just kidding. I, I've not gone for for Runa. All the things that you said, the, the overplaying and so on. His, his section is easy, and I feel like he will make a, a quarter or or a semi. But it's sort of what happens after that. Is, is he actually physically able to then go two more matches uh, in that week after going deep last week? I don't really know at this point. So I have gone for Oscar Ota. Um, I, I, I quite quite like his section of Cherenko should be should be an easier first round and Striker might be dangerous but probably won't be and then the the other guys in the section he he's better than um, and he's also better than anybody in the in the section above him so I feel like Ote as a as a finalist uh, I would be quite surprised if he doesn't make it there to be honest yeah I'm really gonna kick myself if if Ote wins this because I <laughs> like this was before we started the recording I had just one my one of my winner picks already done and it was all yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and during during recording i looked at the draw and i started overthinking and i went for runa so i mean that that's the kind of decision that if it works out you're a genius but if it doesn't you're a retard and, and <laughs> yeah we shall see but uh yeah if it's all i'm really gonna kick myself but, but i mean as i said i i i, I sort of i sort of knew that you had either Ota or runa it was just just yeah, I mean, they, 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 are, they are the obvious picks. It's just like, like, Ota's path to the final, I really liked a lot. And, yeah. and the room, even though his, his section is easier, it's it's not about the section with him. Like, like, he's going to come through that section. I'm quite confident that he'll be a semi-finalist there. It's just like, what happens after that? Uh, is a I guess question. to an extent, I'm also quite confident that Rune should be a quarter-finalist or a semi-finalist. But I, I, I like the idea that, I mean, the, the top quarter isn't that strong either so yeah. like that's that's where i think otta is potentially a stronger pick i have a, i have sort of mixed feelings about otta because in Helsinki this week like against zumhur he played ridiculous tennis like that that was that was the kind of match that you see and you're like how is this guy not top 100 yet and then that that one against molchan he just really had a day off and if if that yeah. happens against Trikar or I mean, only against Streaker in this section. Maybe Gaio, if he plays really well, that then then he could lose before the semis. But if it doesn't, if he plays like against Doomhur and then against uh, whoever he beat in Helsinki round two, um, cannot remember at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna think about that for for too long. But I mean, he 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 played Doomhur and looked insanely good then he played uh rodionov and looked great again and then the, the match against molchan came but but then again no one here is is stylistically similar to molchan and even you know at a similar level probably so 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's quite exciting. We, we have no matching picks uh, this week, so th th there's full potential for me to be winning 19-13 after this one or for you to overtake me uh, all the way up to 17-15. So it's, it's going to be a big week for us prediction-wise. Should we talk about uh, Gabashvili? His, oh, his yeah, sure. He's a challenger guy. Uh, he's been suspended for 20 months, I believe, for, for doping. Which was unexpected, I think. <laughs> like when I saw they were suspended, I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, they they finally <laughs> finally got him." But you know, they, they got him on doping. Um, I, I assume that he's going to retire because mm -hmm. by the time he comes back, he's going to be thirty-eight, I think. Uh, and that seems quite unlikely. Although, I mean, you you, you never know. So, and he uh, wasn't yeah. doing too hot to to begin with, like this year, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. he he is. Uh, like in, in terms of match fixing, we rarely have evidence. And in this case, we obviously also don't, but there's just the, the sheer amount of matches. Even this year we had, I don't know, you probably weren't doing this with me yet, but there was a, in Podchestrum, yeah, in, it was in February, there was yeah. a match against Alex Beckley, uh, a South African, uh, that he, like the first set, he, he lost doing absolutely nothing and then completely dominated the next two the odds movement was very weird and all like it, it just looked like the a lot uh you know uh, a set that he sold uh and it it seemed you know perfectly well obviously it's not hard evidence it wouldn't pass in court but perhaps that's why he was yeah. never actually uh you know he was never actually suspended for that by the t tiu not it's itia at the, right now but but i mean Ah, to an extent, the tennis world is better off with this guy on a ban. Is that too much to say? I, I mean, I, I, I guess that's that's fair enough to say. Um, yeah, I, I, I read something uh, somewhere about him having like a horrible uh, contract uh, with, with, with a sponsor that basically meant that he would get to keep almost none none of his prize money winning. So, I, I, I guess that explains. Uh, why he why he probably got into to match fixing potentially if, if he did do that, um, but yeah, I mean it's it's, it's not an excuse. But e either way, um, yeah, he's he's away now and he's probably probably gone forever from the tennis world. Yeah, I mean, many many of these cases. I don't know if Gabashvili uh, is actually an example of that, but many of these cases also are a sign of a broken system, like to just yeah. the amount of money that tennis players get that some have to. Uh, have to fix in order to keep going for their dreams simply uh, yeah. Gabashvili probably wasn't like that because I, I think he probably started later in his career when he already had some money I mean he was what 45th in the world or something like that 48th I don't know something like yeah, that yeah he, he, he was he was like top top 50 or top 60 top 50 it. for sure uh, I just can't can't remember the, the exact number 43 yeah so maybe, oh, uh, what's your favorite memory of Teimuras Kamashvili? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually have one. Uh, so, uh, so you know, it's it's not totally, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. I mean, I I uh, I, I, I remember an interview that Mike Cation did with him that was quite interesting uh, on that podcast that he has with, with Noah Rubin. Um, but I guess I guess watching him at World Team Tennis, uh, if, if, I, if I remember correctly, I, I saw him play somebody or somebody else. I can't remember. I, I, I want to say that he played Darian King, but I might just be muddling my World Team Tennis memories because I went to like three different ones. 
uh, and, and they all just sort of flow together. I, I don't remember the the individual matches that well. Uh, but yeah, probably we've seen my world team tennis. So I yeah. remember a match against Murray at Washington that he won. Yes, yeah. I mean back in the, back back then I wasn't really following the lower levels of, of tennis that much. So I I remember not really knowing who this guy was. Like mm. I, I I I don't know if I even remembered like if I even recall like saw his name and knew who it was. Probably not. I think this was probably my first experience seeing Gabashvili and like the the tennis he played in there. That that's why I was always saying that Gabashvili has a ridiculous peak because in that match he played tennis. That's I mean. Uh, 2015, Murray was was obviously still a, a top player. Uh, it was a, a ridiculous upset, totally out of nowhere. But the the level that he actually had in this match, the how quickly of the bounce he played and just just dominated the the baseline there. Obviously, still barely winning because it was it was still Andy Murray. Uh, he won in the in the first set tiebreak, but that match really stayed with me. That's that's watching that is something that I can recall very vividly. Um, yeah, so happy retirement to Sergei Stachowski um, and Damonas Gavashvili, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to see if Gavashvili ever shows up again uh, in our Challenger Tour watching uh, or, or on the ITF Tour, prob- probably, because he would need to start from the from there. Yeah, no, no protected rankings for... <laughs> yeah, for the for doping the suspension, no. But, but you can get wildcards, right? I mean, Jari goes... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jari started his, to, his run this year with, like, a couple of wildcards, right? Or, or yeah. even Kikar, I think, got something in, in Argentina. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he could go, I mean, they, they usually get a get a couple. Yeah, Sharapova, um, obviously. Uh, yeah, but that's, you know, the, the caliber of the name there is a little different to Kikar. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, current tennis fans uh, who just started watching probably don't really know who he is uh, anyhow uh, I, that's where we're gonna sign off for the week uh, we're gonna see you in seven or eight days or whatever something like that to talk about Brasilia Manama Puerto Vallarta and Bari uh, for different continents yes that's exciting I mean yeah for different continents yeah time zones all over the place I think yes um since, since yeah, so, so so it should be a very fun uh, challenger tour filled week. I mean, you you'll have tennis on probably at, at any point uh, during the day, <laughs> which is which is always fun to have. I mean, Bahrain, I think. Uh, I mean, Manama starts at like eight a.m. for me, nine a.m. maybe, mm-hmm. uh, at least to. Uh, to like today, so because we're already past midnight. So on Monday, Bahrain starts at nine a.m. for me. And Puerto Vallarta starts starts at uh, twenty two, uh, so I mean uh, ten pm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. S- yeah, so it's pretty much going to be probably until five am. Yeah, just just about four hours when there's gonna be no tennis, probably something like that. So it's gonna be impossible to watch to watch everything. As I said before, not not enough hours in a day. <laughs> <laughs> We all have to sleep at some point, but sadly, yeah. if we if we you know we we'd probably have like amazing careers at this point if we somehow were able to uh, to skip skip on sleeping, but it's it's still impossible in this day and age. Uh, yeah, we're talking about nonsense here, so maybe <laughs> let's just yeah let's just cut this and uh, yeah thanks thanks for listening. 
Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric episode from hosts Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. A huge thank you to them, as always, for taking the time to share their work with us. I say this every week. You know I mean it each and every time. No two people follow all of the action more closely day in, day out than Damian and Jakob. So again, thank you to them for their work. If you've missed anything else Damian has done for us, you can find it all on our website, CrackedRackets.com. And as we shift into off-season mode, expect more rest from Damien. Expect him to pop on the Mini Break podcast, the Great Shot podcast more frequently, as of course we try to preview the 2022 season for all of you listeners and still, you know, enjoy those last few weeks, those last few tournaments of 2021. And of course, speaking of all of that action, you missed out on anything? Catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Mini Break podcast and the Cracked Interviews podcast. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly? I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f of an ending job he does day in, day out. Shout out as well to all of you listeners to our Crack Rackets Patreon family, again, without whom none of this content would be possible. But with all that said, for hosts, Damien Kusin, Yakababro, for super producer Daniel Westoff, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.